Hey, have you heard the Virginia Lottery has a new Willy Wonka Golden Ticket Scratcher that has a top prize of $100,000? Tell that to my automated Golden Ticket Scratcher apparatus. You simply put the ticket in here, and the machine scratches it for you. And while we wait, we can play the Willy Wonka Golden Ticket online game with a top prize of $1 million. Just visit VALottery.com or use the lottery app. That's one impressive scratcher apparatus. Use it whenever. What's mine is yours. But hands off the scratcher. That Willy Wonka Golden Ticket is all mine. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today let the word go forth fool me once are you fired up i'm not a crook are you ready to go shame on shame on you it's abe lincoln's top hat hosted by ben kissel boom you can't get fooled again hey what's up everyone how you doing ben kissel here hanging out with travis morningstar School's closed, Tom Hanks, trouble with the big banks. Oh my god. <laughs> no vaccine, quarantine, no more toilet paper scene, travel ban, Weinstein, panic, COVID-19, uh-huh. NBA gone away, what else do I have to say? Travis didn't start the fire. Whoa! That's right. And neither did Ben, we were just podcasting. That's right. Puffin well, probably started the fire. Alright, he did. Because I saw him eat a bat once. Oh my god, Puffin would do that. Alright, well I'm suicidal now. Hey everyone! <laughs> I uh, loved it. It's not I just it. Travis Morningstar here. Yeah. This is the tale of two Travises. Uh, Travis Irvine is also with us. Honestly, Mr. Morningstar, very good. Thank you. Very good really, song. Really good. Great limerick. Um, and I, I, I am moved. I feel moved. I feel and moved. And isn't that amazing? We have got a bunch of stuff to get to today. We're going to talk about the coronavirus. What's going on out there? Are you dead? Are you dead? Are you dead? Um, so we're going to talk about that. What's going on uh, globally? We got some travel bans coming up here, folks. Not the time to be traveling, even if you can do it legally. A lot of people are saying, I'm going to have a staycation. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the primaries. What's going on here? We got a primary on Tuesday. We're going to speak with this gal, Morgan Harper. She is running in Ohio's third district. Travis Irvine says she's the AOC of Ohio. So we will talk with her a little bit later on in this episode. And first, we want to thank everyone who came out to the screening of Hail Yourself America in Syracuse, in Albany, Albany, and in Hartford. Thank you all so much for coming out. It was a delight to see you, hug you, shake your hands, have your tears on my shoulder, um, and my tears on the top of your head as we cry together. <laughs> In full embrace. So that was really a powerful three days, and I am excited to be heading to Orlando, Florida, the land of the sun. Uh, we're going to be there on Sunday. That'll be a lot of fun as well. So we're really excited for that. I suppose we should start Travis Morningstar. What do you want to talk about? You want to talk about the coronavirus? You want to talk about the uh, what's going on with Joe Biden? He's threatening to fight a lot of union workers lately. Well, he Joe Biden is in the 
the angry stage angry. of dementia right now. Ooh. Now, why? What, what? What is going on? Okay, so this is the let's let's throw this up for the the toss up question to start here. Joe Biden's entire campaign, when he speaks behind a podium with a microphone, is unity. And then as soon as he gets in front of an actual person, person. he threatens to kick their ass. One day, <laughs> you're full of shit. One day, one of these union people are just going to knock his ass out. I think so. He's just a citizen of the United States going into talk with steel workers, with auto workers, threatening to beat them up. At some point, you just get your ass knocked out. But do you feel like this undercuts his entire message of unity when we have all of these videos going viral of him threatening to kick the shit out of union workers. This, I mean, this just reinforces the fact that his team probably is confident that he cannot be in front of people right. before he secures the nomination. Right. He is no. He has. He doesn't have any public appearances uh, outside the upcoming debate on Sunday, which may or may not be held depending on the coronavirus thing. Yes. But uh, I don't know if you heard that there was talk about. Let's just change the debate format to be seated right. um, for, the, for then, the sake of one of the candidates. And then no people. And then no people. So right. that, it, what are they going to like edit it afterwards too in, in, in premiere? Like yeah. what is, what is. They'll, they'll add a crowd in post. Yeah. Just cut to a crowd of clapping. But he, he cannot be in front of people um, improvising because when, it, when he improvises, he almost gets his ass kicked by auto workers. Yeah. yeah. Well, and all of his debate performances were very poor to date. You know, now there's just two people up there. Uh, it's going to be Joe Biden confusing facts, uh, you know, super Thursday, super Thursday, not realizing Kamala Harris is is an elected senator. She's standing right next to him. Just things like that. I, you know, it's almost like Hillary Clinton's campaign in 2016. The less people saw her the better she did. Absolutely. Yeah. Although I, th I think that Hillary actually should have been seen more. Yeah, I feel like she is more Hillary. charming. Hillary Clinton is more charming than Joe Biden. At no point did she threaten to kick anyone's ass. The most embarrassing thing she did was bring hot sauce to the Breakfast Club, which is a uh, which is a morning show here in New York, all black hosts. And I think she really wanted to relate to the African American community through the love language of spice. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that Hillary Clinton is more charming than Joe Biden, and they have the exact same policies. The surrogates for Hillary Clinton were a lot more embarrassing than Yes, that Biden's. is true. Yeah. That is a great point. I feel like Hillary got uh, sort of, she came victim, she became a victim of the bizarre fandom that her campaign yes. received. The Lena With, Dunham yes. rap that oh, that oh. you know that may have oh. sunk the well, that <laughs> cost her 18,000 votes I in the Midwest. So. I will tell you that much. Down. And Lena Dunham even at the end of that rap said, "I wonder if I'm making her lose." <laughs> you That's are. Like, you did. <laughs> you did. You it. did. But I would Hillary Clinton at least had a brain. She could speak, and I would almost say the opposite. They should have untethered her yeah. and with Joe oh, yeah. Biden you, you gotta, gotta wrap him it in. up. Rain him in. Ooh, stop. Get him back in here. Just be like Joe. Stop threatening to fight the people that you are desperately in need of getting. <laughs> I just don't get what what the strategy is. I understand. So he's trying to be a tough guy, right? Listen here, yeah. Jack. He's yes. He's calling everyone Jack, which is really not that common <laughs> of a name he, anymore. He's called people fat before. Uh, what was the uh, the pony face uh, pony soldier? You, uh, dog face pony you soldier. Pony face dog soldier. Dog soldier. Dog face pony soldier. <laughs> <laughs> he is just mixing words together and hoping it creates a sentence. It's a soup. 
I just do not understand the Biden strategy right now when it comes to, I understand what he's trying to do. He's trying to channel what the Democrats think Donald Trump did uh, when it comes to getting the working class vote yeah. by pretending to be a tough guy. But Donald Trump never threatened to kick anyone's ass. He encouraged his fans to kick people's kick asses. Ass. That's what a Take leader his, does. Get him out of here. Take his coat. Take his coat. It Joe is. Biden is trying to actually get into the ring himself. Yeah. He is a brittle 78-year-old man. At some point, he's just going to get knocked out. I think he does. He wants to perpetuate the America's father thing, though, which is to like put put young people in their place. I don't. Right, I don't know right. if these auto workers classify as young people, but he's definitely. Oh yeah, that li- hipster auto worker. Listen, listen he here, had a beard. Buckaroo. You know, like he, here, Jack. He wants everyone to feel like he's the old. He's the old cowboy who, who knows what's going on, and and anyone who talks about. Anything like Medicare for all is just some like, yeah, hipster doofus. Weird. Yeah. Just some weird. And of course, the union worker, uh, the confrontation, you can find it. It's all over the Internet. They're not really playing it on On uh, TV. uh, No, right now, CNN is all coronavirus all the time, which, by the way. Again, 10 million people died last year from cancer. 100,000 died from the flu. Uh, The vast majority of people who get coronavirus will live well into the 90s, 98%, 99%. Just be safe. Be careful. Wash your hands. I don't know what people were doing before. I swear to God, this whole, like, washing your hands is revolutionary. If you didn't wash your hands before, I guess take this as an opportunity to change your ways and wash your hands. Well, real quick, Otherwise, just keep the, on doing what you were doing, which I'm, most likely was washing your hands. It's a, it's a tricky situation because you have a respiratory illness that is transferred by breathing onto somebody within six feet. So the social distancing thing is important for the elderly and the uh the immunocompromised. Absolutely. Right. Be uh, careful. Right. Because this is the kind of thing we don't have tests. You know, we have we have 1,300 confirmed cases of coronavirus, and that's because those are the amount of tests that we have available to us. Meanwhile, Ohio has just said that at least 100,000 people in the state of Ohio have coronavirus. Do you see the disparity between right. the official the official White House number of 1300 and 100,000 coming out of Ohio? That is that's a gulf that is created by the lack of information and lack of data yep. that the White House has this is the White House is doing well, right. by and, setting us up for this big and just gigantic failure that could lead to a lot of un, unnecessary deaths. And we'll go back to Joe Biden here in a second because we have to talk about the potential debate uh, between he and Bernie Sanders. There's not going to be an audience. We also want to talk about Pete Buttigieg. From the campaign trail yes. to, <laughs> to the laugh tracks. Oh, uh, he is he ho- he is hosting Jimmy Kimmel without an audience as if he's Rush Limbaugh. So, for those that forget, Rush Limbaugh hosted a television show for one one night only, and uh, and he offended so many people that the crowd rioted and they had to go without a crowd. Let's play that clip in a second of Pete Buttigieg hosting Jimmy Kimmel, but just quickly going back to coronavirus, going back to what Travis Morningstar was talking about, why has this become such a... The pandemic is... Uh, the, there's a... 
a pandemic of fear out there and of uncertainty. And to Travis Morningstar's point, it is because the Trump administration, people don't have faith in the Trump administration. They don't believe that the Trump administration was uh, able to, uh, was ready to handle something like this. Uh, they did allocate some resources in 2017 to Puerto Rico, 2018 to Puerto Rico, uh, which did cut the funding for a lot of different uh, research and things like that when it comes to uh, viruses and pandemics. So the reason that we're seeing such drastic measures being taken by corporations and by you know private local governments, organizations, private organizations right. yeah. and local governments States. is because of the lack of trust in the Trump administration. And lack of any guidance, though. I mean, so, I mean, this all started in 2018, really, with the dismissal of a pandemic task force by by trump right and then a week before that dismissal that task force actually uh pretty much said hey get ready for a pandemic in the next two or three years which of course is why a lot of people believe the cia, CIA planted plot. It. oh boy perfect but yeah. uh <laughs> yes uh italy is working with the cia to bring down their own it's economy china it was uh, China. Oh, China. China did. I'm, well, I'm sorry. Well, to be fair, the Chinese government and the Iranian government, both of their official lines are that the CIA created the coronavirus to destabilize the markets. Well, it's in uh, certainly in Iran's best interest to put out that conspiracy theory. Uh, the mm -hmm. sanctions that have been put on them are part of the reason why they have mass deaths over yeah. there uh, with the coronavirus impacting them so greatly. But, you know, the, with the task force being dismissed, here we are in 2020, uh, in January... Trump and the White House had the opportunity to embrace the uh, World, he World Health Organization's tests, right. and they said, actually, we are going to reject these tests. Reject it. We are going to make our own, Ooh. which would have been fine if, uh, if they did in it. another administration. If they did. Because it. they did do the tests. Oh, they did do them. And then the tests didn't work. Oh. And uh. then the Trump administration said, you know what? We'll figure it out. Weeks go by. They did not make new tests. And here we are in the first week of March uh, where it really blew up. And now we're now we're in it. And tests are being tests are, are being produced, but they're being distributed at such a rate that it basically doesn't matter at this point because the double turnover rate of infections is outpacing any administering of the tests themselves. So we're in this we're we're in a clusterfuck of a situation where private organizations, where uh, governors have to take on the 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 guiding role and say, hey, you know what? We're actually going to close these. Uh, we're going to close schools. We're going to we're going to quarantine these areas because the president, what he did is like he press conference as he's like heaving and and just very <laughs> solemnly reading a it, thing that he might have a, corona a, where it he's been told to read it you can tell yeah. he just doesn't he's been dragged into that oval office and said hey you have to read this to, if you want to be president and he uh now the picture of him shaking the hand of the brazilian yes. president who has just been who diagnosed just with the corona <laughs> he has corona and uh <laughs> trudeau's wife has it oh my god oh, we're no. taking everybody out it's taking everybody out. Uh, so that really is what's going on here when it comes to the coronavirus. You got to be careful. The reason why we're seeing such pandemonium is because uh, there is a lack of leadership and a lack of messaging. And that's why those things matter. The statistics really don't matter. It's more of the emotion uh, that does matter. And obviously, we're seeing it impact people on a daily basis. And it's impacting their lives. A lot of tele, tele, teleworking, te teleworking, what telecommuting, telecommuting to work. Well, I mean, it is and, going uh, to and school. My uh, and, and schools are off for uh, all next week here in this, New York City. Th I think there is a misconception that this is like a 
this is like a blizzard or something, right? Like that's good. Yeah, it's like, like a snowstorm. It's three days. Everyone's stocking it's up on toilet days. paper. This is okay. Stop doing that, by the way. This is set to sort of reach its apex in May, so this oh. is all a buildup until May is going to be the height of what is considered to be the worst of the the That's illness. That's will be well, some, yes. something so, to look forward and to. And some experts are saying that the casualty rate might be somewhere in the 400,000 range if left unchecked. Right now, everyone is doing their, their best mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to mitigate that. Mitigate. Um, but, yeah, it, it could t- potentially spin out of control. And with it this could. administration, you know, there's nothing really guiding it except for the people in, you know, in state, level government uh, roles that are saying, hey, let's let's quarantine these areas. Well, you do want to be careful. There's a lot of conspiracy theories out there, a lot of missing, uh, a lot of misinformation coming from all sides here. So just basically go about your life. And that's, but a, just that's good careful. advice because, you know, the the White House's line is just that. I mean, they're just they are just spreading misinformation. It is interesting to see the ability of local governments to enact this reminds me a little bit of obviously it's different because it's a virus but it does remind me a little bit of boston after the boston marathon bombing when boston went into a total a shutdown state, yeah when they shut that city down they're like you stay home do not leave your house uh it was a total police state it reminds me a little bit of that i do think there is a certain amount of government experience that they're getting here i think the government is like experimenting slightly with like how much control can we put on our population before they say enough is enough um and this is a great opportunity for a lot of these different uh you know government officials to expand their power as much as humanly possible and we're trying then they are experimenting with it the um, but government you know. does not look powerful or you know, oh, I think the government looks pretty powerful does, right now. Right as soon now, as they can no, make, they, as soon as they can, as soon as you start banning travel and these kinds of things, I mean, which by the way know, is a big deal. woefully late to start banning travel from Europe right now. We already have it; it's already here. It's already here. It's nonsense. But here is uh, well, that's not true because that's sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Then I mean, Trump administration they did ban travel now to Europe, and then people were upset, but they were upset before he did it too. You got to do something, I guess. But again, as Travis here said, it is, is a little uh, bit too late. Here is Trump's health czar uh, giving an answer to Fox News uh, about how many ventilators will be available to people because this is a this is his, this is his base. This is I know watch, this is but watch this. Like, but this is you know this illness it's it's in the lungs <gasps> and uh, there because there is not a vaccine though what all you can do is put people on ventilators so, at some point right um, until they sort of fight it off or die. Um, but here is a question by a Fox News host uh, to Trump. Oh, yeah, I know this woman, yeah. And I think it's a very important point to make. But before I let you go, I want to ask you one more time. Are, are there going to be people in this country who don't get a ventilator if they need one? Are you concerned that the actual physical equipment that is needed to serve the people who will get sick is out there? Can you reassure everyone tonight that there is not a shortage of, of ventilators or ICU units? And that's why the president has taken such a bold and decisive action, right? We're not waiting for this to get worse. We're not waiting for this to be a crisis in our healthcare systems. And that's why the mitigation strategies that he announced last night, limiting travel from Europe, not allowing that. Um, you know, we've given travel advisories on cruise ships. That's why we're taking all mm-hmm. of this action because we don't want to put stress on the healthcare system. Okay, uh, that, that's not. A direct answer to the question. <laughs> One can argue not wow. an answer. Not an answer. Oh. But, you know, it's very interesting, obviously, the line about 
socialized medicine, the line about uh, people waiting death panels right. uh, oh, that would be occurring. It is interesting to see what Honestly, this, uh, whole this thing, actually looks like in real time here. This whole thing, it se- it, I, I would say it seems like a commercial for Medicare for All. Like, this is what you right? have when you do not have Lord single-payer systems. Yeah, Bernie has looked very um, uh, prophetic yes, almost absolutely. with and all I think of this. It's weird because, you know, just a week ago, everyone was counting Bernie out because of Michigan and losing and losing to a lot of states. But well, uh, yeah, well, the fix was in obviously the fix was in, from the establishment. When it when something like this happens, like this kind of act of God, yeah. that highlights an issue like the medical system in America, our healthcare system. Yeah, who knows what could happen? Well, who knows what this sort of intervention could do for a primary race like this? I don't know what that means. Well, but well, I'll tell you. It literally could mean Biden gets the corona. But oh my god! But, Listen I mean, here, what, Jack. What could it mean for public opinion, public perception? Right. Uh, that Bernie Sanders is saying, "Hey, decisively, look, we need Medicare for all because this is the type of shit that." happens in a when a healthcare system is not for everyone when it's not functioning and there are two-thirds of the delegates left in the democratic primary this thing is not over yet they're just trying to make it over it will be extremely difficult for bernie sanders at this point obviously they tend to uh uh, have proportional representation when it comes to or proportional uh they they delegate yeah uh the uh what what do you call it what do you call that there proportional proportional delegation Proportional delegation. Proportional. Anyway, yeah, basically, Bernie Sanders will have to. He would have to win a lot of these places. It would be. Slide he did close the gap in California. When it comes to the he delegates. won every count. Yes. Not every count. Almost every county and district in California. So he did close it. But uh, the path forward, obviously, is you know. It will be difficult, uh, and it is interesting to see the uh, the media already write off his campaign as if he is dead, and they are blaming him for what happened in 2016 with Hillary Clinton, and they're saying, oh my God, Bernie, don't do it again. Don't stay in the race. Don't give people an option. You got to drop out or you're going to hurt our man, Joe. (laughs) And again, it is just so transparent that the DNC, specifically the Podestas of the world, the John Podestas of the world, want their jobs back. And they think that uh, Joe Biden is the Trojan horse but, you know, that's going to get him back into who knows Washington. What, who knows what could happen if all the elderly people in America are defiantly joining cruise ships hey. and going to Zumba classes Ooh. during a pandemic. Yeah. Who knows what could happen? I don't know. But hey, do you guys like to laugh? I love laughing. All right. So Pete Buttigieg, let's watch this clip of Pete Buttigieg hosting Jimmy Kimmel. Now, this is a strange night for us, not only because this is my first time hosting a talk show, because we are doing it without a regular studio audience. Due to public health concerns over the coronavirus, we have canceled the studio audience tonight. But a few kind Kimmel staffers and some friends, my husband Chaston, all here instead. Wow. There he is. Everyone is spread apart at the CDC recommended distance. Uh, Ah. This was not our plan. We just decided this a few hours ago. The only way we're going to get through this crisis is with unity. So let's do this together. Who's with me? All right. Then they cut to a crowd of people there. Um, The old Trump move. Why? Full disclosure, none of those people are here. Yeah, no shit. But when you don't have a real audience, you have to fake one, just like Trump's inauguration. Ooh, and here got it. Hold on, hold on. We got one more. I want to show right. you. This is actually, things. for some reason, here, extremely upsetting. Here we go. Thank you. 
Okay, Buttigieg is walking around downtown. He's looking at a Hooters restaurant. He goes, he nope. says, Whoa, nope, no, I don't like the Hooters. <laughs> nope, not a Hooters guy. That's not a Hooters guy. Cheap wings? No thanks. <laughs> he does not like chicken wings and cheap beer, apparently. This is why we have Trump. <laughs> yeah. Like, isn't that an interesting thing? We have Obama after the White House. After being the most powerful man in the world, he goes to be a producer at Netflix. And now we have Buttigieg who was, I thought, a candidate for president of the United States, Mm -hmm. hosting a late-night show almost, what was that, like 73 hours after he dropped out? Yeah. We have got a problem when it comes to the blurred lines of celebrity and leadership. Well, and don't forget... Yang is now a CNN correspondent. That's right. Almost, Commentator. almost two days after dropping oh, out. Oh, Lord. Yeah, everyone That's got very thing. cushy jobs for dropping out and endorsing and he, Joe Biden. And then endorsed Joe Biden. Yeah. Yang well, gang, Andrew, pour one out for Yang gang. Andrew oh, Yang, if you want to listen to our interview with him, we gave a great interview. He gave a great interview, and he, I really do like him. Uh, he did officially endorse Joe Biden. He said he was going to endorse the Democratic nominee. But this goes back to what we were talking about earlier as far as the media narrative that it's all over. It's all sewn up. Joe Biden has it. Um, and he's going to knock out Donald Trump if he gets a chance. I can't wait to watch those two mud wrestle. Um, but it is interesting to see someone like Andrew Yang already claim that it is done. Again, the delegate count, we got uh, you know Biden up in the 800s. Mm-hmm. Bernie in the 600s. He's in it, 700s now it after would be, Cali. After Cali, it would be very difficult for him to come back, but it is possible. And I think the media is doing a massive disservice uh, to discount two-thirds. Two-thirds yeah. of the electorate has not voted yet. Uh, we, there's something wrong with our primary process if it's already done. Then there's something wrong. And I'm thinking we should probably go to a everyone votes just like it's the general election. Everyone should vote on the same freaking day because this is be insane. Nice. Yeah. I mean, what's going on right now is absolutely insane. But just like people were writing Joe Biden off after he lost the first three states, people should not be writing off Bernie Sanders at this point. And for Andrew Yang to be one of the voices that says, OK, it's done. It was a little disappointing because yeah. I know he's smarter than that. And again, never, ever underestimate the power of people who want a job. Yeah, that's it. They just want jobs in government. And they're like, all right, this is how we're going to do it. And you do just wonder what's going on as far as Pete Buttigieg. When did they decide? When did the Jimmy Kimmel producers decide that Pete (laughs) Buttigieg should replace Jimmy Kimmel as host? I wonder. It is one of the most ridiculous things I have ever seen. Is was it in the same text that Barack Obama sent him that was like, please drop, please drop out, out, endorse and endorse Biden, Joe. Jimmy Kimmel. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> was it a part of the same? And like a smiley face emoji. Barack Obama, I got three ideas for you. <laughs> yeah. Listen to this. Yeah. Jimmy Kimmel, no audience. Let's go. Uh, so it, the biggest winner of the coronavirus is, is Joe Biden because he does not have to be in public. As a matter of fact, he's technically now being... He's being seen as mature for not being in public, despite the fact that whenever he's in public, he threatens to fight your father. (laughs) Um, We have the debate coming up on Sunday, which will be happening. Much like Pete Buttigieg, there will not be an audience. I am very excited for this debate. Yes. The fact that there is no audience greatly benefits Joe Biden, but there are still television cameras. This debate, unlike the previous debates, which is a cluster. It was it was just a cluster F. Yeah. 
20 people 20 candidates yeah, split over know. two hours it was ridiculous yeah. and the only reason that joe biden did well at all was because he did not have to talk that much this sunday this is going to be really telling and hopefully the american people actually watch this debate and i'm saying this not because i think that joe biden is going to fail i don't know but if he does not step up his game and if joe biden is the joe biden that we've been seeing i think people are going to be quite stunned look we've two all- hours of joe biden versus bernie yeah if biden can't handle bernie who is on his game 100 despite having a damn heart attack and bernie is pissed and bernie's very <laughs> pissed. pretty pissed right now we are going to see uh this is going to be a great uh indication of how Bernie Sanders or how Joe Biden rather could go against Donald Trump and how he would actually debate Donald Trump who say what you want about him the guy all he does is talk shit and um, in a debate with someone like Joe Biden man I'm just very concerned that Trump is just it is all Trumpisms it's all ridiculous it's all dumb it's but is it going to be able to be enough to knock Joe Biden off his game this is a perfect storm of circumstances because what is anyone going to be doing on Sunday night? They've been told to stay home right. and watch TV. Yes, and there's, there's no sports. Watch it. There's no sports. And there's no sports. sports. Nothing's we on. We have to watch Bernie Sanders <laughs> beat the living shit <laughs> out of Biden here, on television for two hours. And it is going to be like a war of attrition. It's like the rope-a-dope thing because Biden doesn't have anything except for platitudes and folksy man, like, you know, folksy sayings and shit whereas bernie sanders has already given a press conference the day after michigan and all yep. those primaries i watched it. where he said here's what i'm gonna hit biden on i'm gonna give him the spark notes version uh at this press conference uh, as far as what i'm gonna ask him at that debate and he i'm gonna give him the full here's what i'm gonna ask and if he does not have answers for a practical application of of uh sort of a healthcare answer for a, a situation like this if not this in particular I mean, I don't know what to tell you, America. Like, this is the guy that you're you're championing. Right. And, you know, for me, I always look at who supports who, and oftentimes uh, that will kind of guide my choices. The fact that, like, Bill Crystal, the neocon, yeah. the conservative Not the comedian. Hawk, Bill Crystal with a K. <laughs> is that how you refer to Billy Crystal? Bill, Bill Crystal? Bill, my good friend Bill. My good friend William Crystal. He loves the Yankees and the Clippers. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Get 20% off your first order at TommyJohn.com slash Pandora. Save 20% at TommyJohn.com slash Pandora. See site for details. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today bill crystal is a uh an advocate of a war criminal george w bush the worst president in in my lifetime the fact that bill crystal and the moderate republicans Mm. are pushing for joe biden it's a huge man that makes me just not feel it makes me feel um 
again, like we have the illusion of choice and the people that are supporting Joe Biden are the same people that helped put George W. Bush in the White House. And for me, it just it, it is uh, it's just a really sad state of affairs that these are our options. Every time we were, we were talking to all the folks in Syracuse, Albany and uh, Hartford, everyone is like, this is it. These are our options. Right. They just get so, they're like, what the hell is going on? It's demoralizing. It is demoralizing. And then, of course, we see people like Andrew Yang getting a job at CNN, which is fine. Make your money. Do your job. I really don't care. Pete Buttigieg hosting Kimmel. This is why people don't have any faith in government, and this is why people are willing to deal with someone like Donald Trump, a reality television show star, because it's what's the difference? But there's more than one outsider, and Bernie Sanders is the other outsider. Because he is it. the entire establishment, Bill Kristol included, Ugh. is coalescing around Joe Biden, clearly an unwell man who can only speak in like Samuel Clements lines. I don't know what's going on with <laughs> yeah. his brain, man. That's the thing with him. These are not gaffes. There's just something mentally wrong. It seems like he's in the early stages of dementia. And the sad thing is, we talked about, uh, what was the name of the dude there? Uh, Gardner, Chauncey Gardner. Chauncey Gardner. From being there. Peter Sellers' character from being there. Everyone said that Donald Trump was Chauncey Gardner, Peter Sellers' character from being there, as Travis uh, Irvine just said. And now everyone is saying that about Joe Biden. So we got two candidates two that are that are accurately being described as completely inept, completely shallow, completely I, empty <laughs> candidates for president. And those are the ones that are potentially going to be going against each other. I also other. get a Flowers for Algernon vibe from Biden. Oh, yeah, very much. Yeah, a lot very of, much. A lot of um, just mentally incompetent people. But again... This is what's so difficult because now we've been trashing Biden for the past you know, 20, 25 minutes, and it makes it really hard because I think he would he would still he would be a stabilizing factor. That would that's what Joe Biden is running. That's on. what he's offering. he's running on being a stabilizing factor. Back to normalcy. And back to normalcy. But my only concern is, as we sort of alluded to earlier, is that his interactions with people is nothing that is comforting. There's nothing back to normal about a presidential candidate saying, I'm going to take, let's go outside with your ass. That's yeah. what he told you. He wants to go, I'll, I'll go outside with your ass. Will you, Joe? Will you, Joe? Because you will shatter. You will be pummeled into dust. <laughs> you will be dead as soon as this 40-year-old union worker beats the living <laughs> shit out of you. So how do you have a candidate that is campaigning, his, his messaging is back to normalcy, and then you hear him talking, to a to a human to a person to a citizen of this country and he threatens to kick their ass i i just well it I, is very... I just don't understand now you're if you're trump and you already see these ads coming out you already see that where the trump administration is going to be coming in and attacking biden oh yeah well once you been... start you are on record and this is not just about one union worker right this is a man that represents the working person absolutely right so it's like okay he just threatened to kick this one guy's ass but in a election, when you have you know a nation of damn near 400 million people, that guy represents millions and millions of people. Yeah. And so Joe Biden just said he's going to kick the ass of millions and millions and millions of people. And these are the exact voters that perhaps went for Obama, then went for Trump. And it's the exact 
opposite of what Biden needs to be doing, which is to get those voters back to the Democratic well, it's, Party. It's scary how inflexible voters can be when they've set their minds on something. We've seen it with Trump. He has, has said some of the most ridiculous, horrible shit that a president has ever said, and people back him 100%. And then you have Biden, who's threatening to fight threatening to fight auto workers oh, but God. that somehow reinforces this idea that he is going to be the one to to beat trump in these in like and i'm thinking of old people old people just don't care it doesn't matter what biden does or says even if even if all the exit polls from oh. all these primaries say that they are some in support of medicare for all they know that biden is not going to do that and they know that he's crumbling and people are seemingly aware of it and more anytime we see him on screen we see him do a gaffe or are threatened to beat up a child or whatever like he, well that i would agree with he uh <laughs> he his his base is seemingly inflexible about it because the issue of electability is so it, it lies so heavy in their head that the idea that Biden is the only one that could beat Trump, which I just think is ridiculous. I, I I see Bernie Sanders as the only person to be able to stand toe to toe with Trump in a in literally a verbal altercation. Yes, because now, Biden will just crumble uh, in, in a debate. And we'll see that on Sunday, though. We'll see what, well, what we, that looks like. We will see what it looks like. But to that point that Biden is the only one that can beat Trump, to that point, I, I guess in defense of that point, he kicked some major ass in Michigan. Joe Biden did. Joe Biden but, had a great uh, last week. He won, what was it, six out of the seven? Um, no, there were six states. He won four out of the six. Bernie four won out of the two. Six. Washington State had a vote by mail because of the corona. Yes. So that one, I think, is going to be about tied. They're going to split the delegates. So the fact that Biden was able to get, what was it, 60-40 in Michigan? It was a, it was kind of an ass-kicking. Uh, Bernie only got 37%. And but, I think that plays in uh, to the narrative that he is the one that's going to be able to get those states back and recreate the Obama coalition. But again, um, I don't think he's going to do it if he threatens to fight the entire country. I, well, and also, I mean, Bernie's going to not just hit him on Bernie's core issues that are more relevant now than ever, uh, you know, the health care system, what young people want, climate change, but he can still attack Joe Biden's record on the Iraq war, right. NAFTA, Cutting Social Security, which Bernie Joe Biden can do is advocating it, so can Trump. for. That's, that's the unfortunate that's the thing. thing. So, you know, you look at a state like Michigan and with the NAFTA deals, that's what Trump will go there and hit Biden on in a general election. And you know what? the It does not matter that Bernie Sanders is a quote-unquote democratic socialist because as as basically conservative that Joe Biden, basically Joe Biden is like a center-right. Uh, politician yeah uh he is going to be called a socialist yeah as well for no reason and it won't matter it, it won't, won't matter what yeah. what he says because the fed literally just injected 1.5 trillion dollars to save the economy that is also socialism and it all well it's corporate right. welfare corporate yeah. socialism we like bernie it. has said so it's like it, everything in this moment is really speaking to the policies that bernie sanders is trying to put forth uh, against against socialized welfare for corporations and and you know Stabilizing resisting the stock rugged market. individualism for the poorest people and then uh, corporate welfare for the for the most uh, wealthiest people, it, it really is the moment for Bernie to attack. But it's scary to think that even with all these perfect this perfect storm of stuff that would reasonably benefit Bernie Sanders' message. It could still be the case that people are just too afraid yeah. to elect a quote unquote democratic socialist to fight. As we Trump. as we learned from Roger Stone, 
fear is a very uh, motivating factor in politics. Yes. Well, and that's, again, you know, when you talk about a perfect storm, that's the one thing I get a little cynical when it comes to the coronavirus coverage. <laughs> Um, because we it were is. listening to Rush Limbaugh, and he was oh, saying, "Oh, Limbaugh's amazing!" In the car, Good Lord. on the way to Syracuse, he said he was, it was, like, uh, he, was, he, was he, he said it was to keep people away from the Trump rallies. Yep. Uh, yeah, <laughs> CIA. That, CIA. That's also well. A, that is the yeah. Jerry Falwell Jr. is is saying that as well. Yeah. And Alex Jones is saying, "Get me out of this prison cell." Infowars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got a little drinking and driving incident. You know, he has fun. It'll, it'll get dropped. But that is one of the interesting things when it comes to the media coverage how it intertwines, why is it happening now? Uh, I think a lot of people have a lot of questions, and I do not trust television news. I was telling these two stories in uh, in Syracuse, Albany, and Hartford these past few days. Uh, the first story, when it comes to television news, again, the overall sentence is, do not believe what you see on television. That's the sentiment, two examples of why. I was doing Kennedy's show. It's on Fox Business. Pretty exciting stuff. Kennedy, she's a former MTV VJ. She played a lot of videos, a lot of Pearl Jam. Cool check. She's dating Dolph Ziggler. Nice gal. I'm doing her show. I'm in the back, and I'm talking to this Marine general. And he is telling me, and he was going to go on Kennedy's show and talk about waterboarding and torture. And he was telling me in the green room that he was waterboarded. It was the single worst thing that's ever happened to him. It's like you're drowning. It's like you're dying. Uh, He was like, it was absolutely miserable. It's definitely torture. I'm like, all right. He goes on TV, and I'm watching in the green room on one of these little TVs in the back. I was going to go on after him and talk about how we have too many laws in this country. And he's on television, and I swear to God, he says uh, to the camera, "It's uh, waterboarding is nothing. It's like, it's like you're uh, trying to cure the hiccups. It's like you're drinking, and it kind of goes up your nose a little bit. It's a great way to get information. It's not torture at all. I, it's kind of like swimming with your mouth. Oh, it is. It was so disgusting to me that this man in the green room told me it was definitely torture, goes on national television, and I wish I remembered his name, um, goes on national television and says it's not torture, an obvious lie. The second most recent thing is Dr. Oz, who I know, humble break. I know mm. Dr. Oz. Right? How, how are his abs? Huge. Ugh. He's very fit, very Ugh. tiny, like all these TV Ugh. guys. They're all very tiny. In the green room at Yahoo Finance, Dr. Oz is telling me, coronavirus, no big deal. Wash your hands. You're going to be totally fine. It's completely blown out of proportion. On Yahoo Finance, he is like, hide your kids, hide your wife. Coronavirus is coming to kill your mother. Like, he went crazy. He, he, he was just like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. So I'm like, what is the truth, Dr. Oz? The green room, Dr. Oz, or TV, Dr. Oz? Same thing with the general. General in the green room or general on television? These people on TV are oftentimes paid to be there. Uh, they're working for large corporations. They're working for big pharma companies. They have an agenda that is not... Uh, necessarily an agenda that wants their their agenda does not necessarily uh, align with telling the American people the truth. So just be very careful when we see all of this stuff, because this is another way that the media is able to emotionally manipulate us. And the idea of, oh, well, let's just play it safe. We got coronavirus out there. There's enough going on. Let's just give Biden the chance. Let's play it safe. It's very interesting well, to see it happen. Yes, people are very vulnerable right now. They and, are, and certainly the grift is on. But that does not mean that the deaths and the on the coming deaths are not uh, are not real. But I do want to point out that there are some friends of Trump that are making money off of this, 
Oh, of very course. There's a hell of a lot of people making money off of this. Of uh, course. Uh, of course. Uh, the Trump-aligned outlet Newsmax has been sending marketing emails claiming that if you give it money for a book written nearly a decade ago, you can find three powerful secrets to never getting sick again, including ways to ward off coronavirus and cancer. The message also includes dangerous mis- misinformation about getting a flu shot. Well, Dr. Uh, <laughs> Oz also told me not to eat breakfast. <laughs> okay, oh, so, well, no, but that's today why I had I... Girl Scout cookies for breakfast, so I ain't listening. <laughs> that's kind of like that's cheating it because it's not yeah. it's not a it's breakfast, not a breakfast, food. breakfast. Yeah. yeah, it's a snack. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it's just diabetes. <laughs> that is another thing. If it, you know, you don't just have to have cancer or whatever to. I do to, wish that our media would have be. I wish that we would cover cancer the way they're covering coronavirus. Oh my god, yeah, and diabetes. Well, I mean, if you have that, this is the the coronavirus. The it's not good for people even who are obese. It, it could, it's not good for anyone. It's the flu. It is. It's it, ten. To, it's ten to thirty times worse than the flu, as as experts are saying. I'm gonna ask Tom Hanks. Once he's done, currently he's doing great. Is, is he like the Rita the, Wilson? Is he like the the Rock Hudson of coronavirus? Oh my god! <laughs> is he like the Deep one cut. <laughs> make, making it like a real official? It's an emergency? official thing now. I think in the minds but of people, it was yeah. just. Uh, I mean, because you read the Tom Hanks story, he's like, I was feeling fatigued, and it's kind of like I have a, a cold. I got tested. I got coronavirus. It's Whoa. like I am constantly tired and feel like I have a cold. I must have coronavirus. You might uh, have so another. Speak, you know. Speaking of coronavirus and a subject that is near and dear to our hearts, uh, jails are about to be a site of the spreading coronavirus. And oh you, and, yes, and you would think that oh well they're all uh, they're all contained there. They're contained. They're going to be fine. <sighs> but the idea is that jails and prisons are revolving doors. You know we have so many people cycling through jails and. Uh, just we we have a crazy we have six hundred thousand people in jails at any one moment. Oh, right, yeah, easy. Uh, so we have to. Th- I think the country should probably consider uh, loosening up uh, sentencing people to jail or prison for light crimes, uh, in a, especially in a a pandemic where one person could set off a chain reaction of getting hundreds, of thousands of people sick in a jail or prison, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. You got to be very careful when dealing with people in close quarters, specifically people in jail. And if we can have uh, more rational sentencing for nonviolent criminal offenders, I think that is always a very good thing. And if you have to use coronavirus as an excuse to be humane, then do it. Speaking of jail, we could talk briefly here about Harvey Weinstein, 23 years in prison. This is a massive a huge development. It really is kind of understated how this is the greatest fall I have ever seen. Uh, 23 years in prison for a man who was connected to every single president, uh, including Donald Trump. Uh, This is one of the strangest ironies of the Trump administration. We are seeing pedophiles fall. Yes. Um, And I mean, from Epstein to Weinstein, uh, it really is a remarkable time, and you know uh, that Harvey Weinstein is just in complete and utter shock that the system actually worked, right. that the system actually yeah. got this sexual predator off of the streets. That is someone who does belong behind bars because he is truly preying upon people and making society less safe. It's, he's not selling weed. He's literally a serial rapist. It's one of the weird 
silver lining. It is strange, yeah. right? The Trump administration, which is the regular people that would be in power and who now feel like they need to get back into power. Uh, they're not there waiting in the wings to press the button nope, for, to for be people like, like free. Yeah, free. Yeah, get out of here. It, it really is like a <laughs> everyone for themselves, including all of everyone that's getting the coronavirus, everyone for themselves, including the powerful people that would uh, usually get away with horrible shit like rape and pedophilia. Um, and yeah. this is almost like a, I feel like it's a little bit of a consolation prize for Epstein slipping our grasp of, you know, slipping out of the grasp of justice a little right. bit. And, you know, yeah. it really is fascinating when you think about the powerful elite, when you think about um, the amount of people that must be scared now. You know, you look at someone like Bill Clinton, the man has about the same record as Harvey Weinstein. Uh, and is it possible that they can get someone like Harvey Weinstein? Is someone like Bill Clinton next of that power? Or is he old enough, uh, powerful enough to kind of escape any kind of actual uh, justice or ramifications for his actions? Uh, you know, it is it is stunning to see what's happened right now when it comes to the judiciary and taking these things seriously, the destabilizing factor of the internet, I think is, you know, to, to, it's a credit, it's a credit to the internet. Um, the fact that all of the key holders, the, the, uh, you know, the, the, the gatekeepers, all of the powerful people, the internet completely shattered their power base. As soon as you can make money without the, uh, Hollywood machine, as soon as you could self-produce, as soon as you could just, uh, have your own little niche market, and as soon as you did not need to go through disgusting corporate scumbags like Harvey Weinstein, they were completely undercut. His Absolutely. power was completely gone because of the internet, it, which I think is one of the you know small d democratic things that's going on right now in our country. We don't, we no longer have this sort of idea that uh, that someone is untouchable, that someone is better than us, that someone is like um, truly truly above who we are because now you're a tweet away from Hugh Jackman for example you can tweet at him you can talk to like we have the text mess we have the ability to text anyone in the world basically via Twitter and stuff like that so it really is a fascinating turn of events of course you know Harvey Weinstein believes that he's a political prisoner the man is completely and utterly no insane it makes no me. sense whatsoever the stories are completely disgusting and uh, you do just wonder if there's a bunch of people powerful people shaking in their boots right now because Harvey Weinstein not just got found guilty but was damn near given the max yeah 23 years in prison there has to be some people that are for lack of a better term shitting a brick right now I, I think the fact that by the end there was nobody on no. Weinstein's side not a single person was saying hey wait a you mind if we can? Can we right. just step back a call? Nobody. No one. Nobody was on Weinstein's side. Because they don't want to have that, the target on them. A man that powerful, they know the writing is on the wall yep. for them. Uh, so it, it's it's great to see. I mean, it's great that 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 people are now, <laughs> I don't know, being held accountable. Yeah, I mean, some, honestly, just something as simple as this is the, some yeah. small way. This is the only. You know me. I mean, I am like Mister Criminal Justice. I think we spend we we spend and send. Way too many people uh, to prison. We spend way too much money on doing that. A lot of nonviolent offenders, a lot of people who maybe made, maybe made a mistake at 16 who are there for you know the rest of their lives. We need to look at all of that stuff. Cash bail. 
Cash bail. Harvey Weinstein is not a victim. This is actually the system working for uh, the first time when it comes to, you know, holding these people, uh, the very, very wealthy, when it comes to holding their feet to the fire and saying, no, dude, you can't just be a sexual predator and uh, and threaten to kill people like Jennifer Aniston, America's girlfriend. But uh, speaking of the Internet, there is some there's an interesting thing happening throughout this pandemic, which is uh, AT&T is suspending broadband data caps during the crisis, which means that all of their like capping of Internet uh, speeds is bullshit. It's just complete nonsense. And now that we're in the middle of a crisis, all these all these like things that we assume to be the case, the norm are are being turned on their head. And so because of all the telecommunity and all that stuff, they're like, okay, exactly. Yeah. So they're like, oh, you know what? We'll just we'll just let this ride. And it's like, wait, why did we have these caps in the first place? place. Interesting. Because we're a monster corporation that is going to throttle your Internet usage to sell you things more than you you know to make you pay more for something that you already had right um but right. no it's just one of the side effects of the the pandemic exposing hose exposed you know right uh, <laughs> oh yeah there you go that is very interesting and of course we use the word pandemic the world health organization came out used the word pandemic but if you listen to the speech i'm not sure if it was responsible for them to use that term or not it the was, man given the speech actually said that it wasn't a pandemic it was, but then he's like but we're saying it's a pandemic so, so it, doesn't it doesn't become, become a pandemic. pandemic and i'm like what, what is going on just there's just a lot of fear and um it reminds me a little bit of y2k well i was actually there's gonna, gonna be I a lot exact, of soup there's was, gonna be a lot, a lot of, soup. of toilet paper well, you know soup. The, the also stop <laughs> the toilet paper oh my god ben's got the road he's got the cone you got oh the road no but stop stockpiling all the toilet paper what is wrong with people? That happens if... if It's a snowstorm. Yeah, anything happens. Like, people start stockpiling But you do paper. understand if you take all the soap, then your neighbors don't get any soap. And then it's like you can be as clean as you want to be, but if all of your neighbors are sick and filthy, then you're going to be filthy and sick. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense for people to hoard all of the, all of the Purell. What are you doing? <laughs> like, what you are you doing? It's, it's like... You're in a crisis, and one of the only things you can do as just sort of like a regular person is hoard toilet paper is to right. make you feel like you're in control of the situation. It was the so same I thing we did understand it. after 9-11. Bush just told everyone to go shopping, and that's the answer to this as well. I know the market has collapsed. It's a good time to invest if you, uh, if you invest. This is the time to put some money in. Um, but it is like, it's just so, we live in a lot of privilege. Oh, we absolutely. have a society of privilege. The fact that it's like pandemic, everyone's going to die, which you're, again, you're not going to die. Um, and you're not going to get coronavirus. You're going to be fine. Just be safe. Um, or if you get it, you're also most likely going to be fine. Uh, just go to bed for two weeks. But that itself is a privileged perspective. That, right. Well, because course. you are not elderly and the only pre-existing condition you elderly have is people. like gout. <gasps> <laughs> Don't you say it, Travis. Oh, Don't you say that. <laughs> but no, like the reason why this is going to become a problem is not because it's a disease that makes tentacles shoot out of your fucking chest. It's because we only have so many hospitals, so many hospital workers, and so many ventilators. I mean, really, there is going to be a point where old people are denied hospital uh, beds or denied death panels. I mean, honestly, it's going to get to that point, and it's already gotten to that point in Italy. There are some people who are not given treatment, and it's sort of a death panel situation. Well, but of course, Italy has government-run health care. So that's kind of an interesting uh, uh, duality there. When it comes to coronavirus, yes, I understand. 
be be careful. And if you are immune compromised, we were speaking to somebody in Albany who had a uh, who had a kidney transplant. Right. You got to be very careful. And those are the people that need our help. So when it comes to a healthy person, I'm just going to say, don't take the resources away from people that need it. I you think, are going sure. to be fine if you are a healthy 38-year-old man from mm-hmm. Wisconsin. Who's never had gout. Who's never had gout <laughs> named Ben Kissel. You will be fine. Be if fine. you are immune compromised. Hose exposed. Please, you need to, you need, we need to, like, just be reasonable and again, just stop stealing everything. Stop buying. Just stop hoarding. It's just a bad. Human nature is very weird to me. It is, and and, and it, I don't understand why someone's first reaction is, "I better go get all the shit, t- the shit tickets out of Walmart because <laughs> Corona's coming." Uh, and one company, of course, is not doing well. It's Corona, which is another. Are they silly, not doing well? The Corona beer. The, another silly side effect of of fear. Are people seriously not buying Corona yeah, because of coronavirus? Yeah, stock is tanking, and not just because of the stock market. I mean, if you guys want to do yourselves a favor, go get some uh, Corona and help out the good people at Corona beer. Okay, that's how you survive this. I don't know. My head wants. To, I want to explode. <laughs> I want to be like in the movie Scanners. I want to explode my head. We're covering JFK here on last podcast on the left, so perhaps that's my inspiration for that thought. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 languages courses for the rest of your life redeem your 50 percent off at rosettastone.com today all right now i am honored to be joined by a candidate she is running for congress in ohio's third district morgan harper thank you so much for being on the show morgan oh thanks for having me happy to be here so we have a big primary coming up on tuesday fingers crossed everything works out okay and the primary goes on uh, I want to talk with you because you're getting a lot of traction. Um, you're you're a progressive uh, running in a Democratic primary, running against the Democratic establishment, which I have so much respect uh, for you for doing that. And I know you've been going against, uh, you know, big banks and predatory lenders for a long time. And uh, you've been going against establishment and powerful people. Uh, and defending working people for a very long time. Can you just give our audience um, just a base of your motivation for running for office? And uh, what can people expect from a Morgan Harper if Morgan Harper does make it uh, to Congress? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, so I'm from here in Columbus on the east side. And early on, I got exposed to the economic inequality in our community. And I've been on a mission to do something about that since then. So that's included since at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau as a lawyer, going after predatory companies, working at a housing organization, and really felt like for a lot of the issues, the fundamentals of life, people having enough money to live in one job, the environment, housing, health care, that it's really going to take an entirely different style of political leadership, especially at the federal level, to get us there. And it's got to be grassroots, and it's got to be free of corporate money. So that's why we launched the campaign. And I do believe why we're getting so much traction is because people are sick and tired of the status quo. They know that establishment politics on both sides of the aisle has not served us. And we really need to get uh, our politicians back focused on getting things done, not just building their own careers and getting rich. And so 
Uh, Morgan Harper in Congress representing the 3rd District is an unbossed leader that's fighting for the people the same way we've been running this campaign. The only way we win is with the people. The way we stay is with the people and that I'll be able to be free to advance the agenda that I've been talking about throughout the campaign, making sure that everyone in our community gets to lead a stable life. And you can go to morganharper.org to learn more about Morgan Harper's candidacy. I'm so happy that you're taking on this issue of predatory loans um, because, you know, People, the most vulnerable people in our country seem to be constantly targeted uh, and constantly Mm -hmm. um, used uh, to prop up the powerful. Can you explain a little bit about um, how systemic the problems are when it comes to predatory loans and how did that lead to the income inequality that we're seeing in this country right now? Well, I think actually, in some ways, the predatory lending and people being vulnerable to companies like payday lenders, debt collectors, um, in the case of the mortgage industry at times, preying off of people, is because folks are economically vulnerable, right? And that was certainly one of my takeaways from the CFPB is, yes, we can try to make the markets work fairly, we can go after companies that are bad actors, but the fundamental issue of people just not having enough money, Mm. we're not solving for that, right? And that is a larger economic issue that We've seen, especially exacerbated since the the recession, the financial crisis, that the economy rebounded for some, but for a lot of working people, even with all the job creation, especially here in the third district, we've seen it, wages haven't kept up, right? And so folks aren't able to earn enough money to live, and therefore they are still vulnerable to all sorts of issues, to one medical emergency taking them off the rails entirely, to $400 shortfalls leading to an eviction. And until we are honest about that and start to move more aggressively to address everyone being able to have health care and not go bankrupt, then we're not going to get at people being in a stronger position to not be as vulnerable to predatory loans right. and that sort of thing. And I think that's why we're seeing uh, so much panic when it comes to the coronavirus outbreak that we're going through right now, because people are, as you mentioned, one injury away, one situation away from being broke. From being out of cash. And that's why I see on your website, again, morganharper.org, you are talking about a universal income. Mm -hmm. I had a chance to interview uh, Andrew Yang about a year ago, and he was the only candidate talking about a universal basic income. And as we see the rise of automation, uh, we see people who are in the crosshairs of, you know, Mm -hmm. society's advancements in many ways. But also, what are you going to do? You're 50 years old. You worked at a CVS for 20 years. Next thing you know, you're replaced by a robot. How do you get back into the workforce? And so my question is, when it comes to a universal basic income, uh, how would you implement that? What does that look like? And um, how do you how would you convince someone who says, oh, that's not rational. That's totally insane. Uh, What what is your vision for universal basic income? Yeah, the reason why I thought that was important to include in the platform is exactly what we've been talking about, that people are very vulnerable, that it is ridiculous in one of the richest nations on the planet that folks are $400 shortfalls away from uh, financial ruin, and it doesn't have to be like this. And our current system relies on people really jumping through a lot of hoops to make the case or qualify for certain benefits. And it's like, no, especially when a lot of these things are connected to automation, jobs that are paying enough, enough to win things that are out of folks' control, let's just cut all the red tape, give folks $1,000 a month, and as we work towards some of these more systemic solutions that I do think could address, you know, especially like older folks, for example, who are looking for means to be employed that maybe the market isn't creating, that 
Um, that's part of the, the vision for a Green New Deal, having a job guarantee that we're creating jobs that are paying living wages that are in the clean energy sector, that are addressing transportation issues, that, you know, in a system where we have uh, universal health care, there's going to be rules that are created that could be living wage jobs as well. But in the meantime, we can't continue to let people slip away from us, and we could do a lot to provide more security by just giving folks thousand dollars a month and so when it comes to and maybe in travis and travis feel free to pop in whenever travis do you have a question at all for morgan um i well hey this is travis irvine hey morgan it's travis irvine hey travis um so obviously you know since i'm from columbus ohio and i know what you're dealing with it's similar to what uh ben uh dealt with when he ran for Brooklyn Borough president, and that is uh, the Democratic establishment. The Democratic establishment in New York City and New York, I mean, uh, they rule everything, and they're they're very insular. They like to keep people out, and they like to keep their people in. And obviously, I know you've been dealing with that as well, uh, going against the Columbus, Ohio, and Franklin County Democratic Party machine. You are up against an establishment candidate. Um, Ben and I are are big advocates for more millennials running, getting involved in the way uh, you are. Uh, That's why we ran. And so what 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 are you dealing with um, dealing with that establishment? What's kind of your your take on going against the establishment? And what's your advice to people who would like to possibly primary their establishment uh, congressional candidates uh, where, where they live? Well, first, my advice is go for it. Right. And, you know, yeah. folks who reacted in this way, almost like it was so audacious of me to even dream of launching a campaign and challenging the establishment. It's like, that's the exact mentality we have to get rid of, that anyone feels entitled to any elected office. Yep. These are meant to be representatives of the people, and you are in the arena, and we should all feel comfortable with many folks running and bringing new policy ideas to the forefront, especially when there are unmet needs in our community that aren't being addressed by current leadership. How do we know? Because in eight years of representation, things haven't gotten better, right? So we right. should all want more ideas on the table from my perspective. And what it's looked like is, you know, we are, we're up against machines. So take, you know, for example, today, we're four days out from the election. Early voting has begun here in Franklin County. And what are we having to spend a lot of time doing is competing with a sample ballot, competing with the Franklin County Democratic Party, releasing a sheet of paper, nailing out a sheet of paper throughout the district that only features their chosen candidate. And in the case of my race, the incumbent, my opponent, as the only Democrat running, when in fact I am also running as a Democrat. Right. Um, people will not learn about that unless we've gotten to them already or we stand here and stand right next to the people that are being either paid directly or volunteering for the party who are passing out the sample ballot. This is ridiculous. And in fact, I was just talking to a woman, a Democrat uh, constituent, there's a woman living in the district who was so frustrated and she was upset to learn when she got this piece of paper in the mail that I wasn't going to be featured on it, even though she was so excited about my campaign doesn't feel like this is democratic. So I think our generation is well positioned to turn the page on this kind of practice as well that we we know is manipulative. It's a waste of time. Let's just give people their choices and have a real, real battle about the ideas. That's where I want to be. And that's where I think the Democratic Party and all parties should be moving forward. And again, we're speaking with Morgan Harper. You can find out more about Morgan Harper's platform at uh, MorganHarper.org. And, you know, you bring up a great point about silencing opposition and i'm looking at your website mm-hmm. right now and i'm i'm specifically very interested in your policing uh policies mm-hmm. right now here on yeah. your website i'm just reading every year nearly a thousand people are shot and killed in the united states by the police for black men and boys being killed by the police is a leading cause of death and so you have some reforms can you tell our audience a little bit about what you mean by violence interrupters. You say federally fund 
uh, a community-based violence interrupters, community members called before the police, particularly in cases of mental health episodes. Um, you also have a, um, a bullet point here, federally fund community mental health centers, which we definitely need to get our mental health uh, facilities back up and running after the devastation of Ronald Reagan under the 1980s, uh, under his reign in the 1980s. And you also mentioned when it comes to violent policing, the Fourth Amendment. And I feel like, you know, the uh, the 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 right not to have a legal search and seizure, the, the right to have autonomy. Can you talk about just the importance of, when it comes to criminal justice reform and the importance of community policing and how you would uh, like to see society uh, and police work together in the future. Yeah, this is a very important issue that we actually added to the platform after launching the campaign because I wanted to be very intentional in meeting with a lot of families who have been impacted by police violence here yeah. in the district. And it's been a major, major issue in the third district that we have police that are regularly killing young black men specifically, though it actually, you know, not exclusively. And uh, and this is a problem for people who are, who are getting paid to be servants of public safety, right? Yes. So uh, that we have certain neighborhoods in the third district that are, have four times the incarceration rates of other neighboring districts and this completely correlates with race. We've got right. to do something and we can do something. In fact, all the research has been done. People have, you know, developed the policy ideas. Nothing of the policy ideas that you've mentioned are, like, unique to Morgan Harper for Congress. Yep. The information's out there. Now we need political leadership that's going to prioritize passing the legislation and getting it done. And so, you know, a couple of the things you mentioned connect to the fact that in many cases, we have young people that are potentially having mental health episodes. The police mm -hmm. get involved. Mm -hmm. It escalates instead of being treated as a mental health episode. And so maybe we don't need to call the police as a first step. Instead, we have people that are managed with handling those types of situations. But we definitely yeah. have to get rid of the legal barriers that prevent any accountability for law enforcement when they have committed acts of violence. And that has to be through eliminating things like qualified immunity, but also in mandating independent investigations that are not handled exclusively within police departments. Right. Um, that when, when police departments and police officers are the ones who have committed an incident that needs to be investigated, clearly a conflict of interest. And this also does connect to the whole establishment point as well. You know, we have a situation here of, at the Franklin County level, one party rule, in this case, the Democratic Party at yep. the local, state, county level, federal representatives, and everybody's on the same page about for the most part, protecting the police department and the people have lost a voice on this issue. And it's right. one that I think folks are especially frustrated about and are looking for representation that's going to, to move uh, legislative solutions forward. And the final point I would say there is, you know, because I, I still, even part of, uh, you know, sometimes it's a question of, well, what's the difference between you and Representative Beatty? And it's a question I'm, of course, you know, empathetic to and I always want to explain the differences, but here's one. These incidents have been happening in Columbus for decades. And the fact that with a gerrymandered safe democratic district, because usually the argument for why we can't do more is well, we're scared of flipping a seat or losing it or whatever, gerrymandered safe democratic eight years, no legislation introduced by the current representative, my opponent, that includes any of these measures wow. of police reform, right? And so if we aren't willing to push the envelope there, it is never going to happen at the federal level. Absolutely. And uh, just to clarify, because it might have maybe got a little bit muffled there, it is eliminate qualified immunity, immunity, qualified immunity. That's basically what uh, that's basically how these cops get away with what they're doing. And I have not seen this on any other congressional platform. And I just I'm in love with you right now. Uh, 
and the 1033 program. The 1033 program is atrocious. This is why we have tanks rolling down the streets in small towns all over this country. Uh, basically, the United States, the United States military got a lot of money and they have a lot of excess weapons. And all of those mm -hmm. weapons have been given to our local police municipalities. If they don't buy the weapons, their funding is actually cut. Uh, so there's an incentive mm -hmm. for them to continue buying you know, MRAPs, yeah. the, whole, the whole thing. And it's just ridiculous. It's all out of whack. Can, yeah. you, can you explain a little bit how the 1033 program militarized our police and how policing has just changed over the years to become not about public service, uh, but more about, uh, you know, tyranny in some ways? Well, I think in many ways, how police departments developed was always in, in some ways less about safety specifically and, in some, and trying to control certain communities and police certain communities and breed fear. And this is why we didn't, we didn't even just call it police reform. It's really transforming public safety, getting at its best. I believe what officers should be doing is protecting our safety and having a close connection to the community. And so, right. yes, not having military weapons, but also making sure that we have officers that are invested in the state of our communities and having more officers that are actually living in the places where they're policing so that yes. um, there's almost a more inherent sense of accountability and humanity in how we approach that exercise of public safety. And I yes. do think we can do that through legislative solutions that will create the right incentives, but by incentivizing departments to inject military weapons into the departments, well, that's not going to get us there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely completely completely agree from a constitutional perspective and this is the venn diagram that everyone has to understand when it comes to people you know on oftentimes the left does not get enough credit for defending the constitution right the right the right is like that's ah, the constitutional like the right sort of has this thing on lockdown when it comes to um their verbiage and the literature but really it is about the constitution it's about the fourth amendment in this case and i'm so happy that you are hitting on ending the 1033 program i'm looking over your bio here and you say for the first nine months of your life uh you lived in a foster home my family did foster care since i was 12 years old uh, we took in a lot of children i still have a younger foster brother who is now 26 years old which is amazing can you talk a little bit about how we end the foster care to prison pipeline or even even in a worse situation, the foster care to sex trade pipeline, which is that's how it happens. Uh, you know, it is yeah. it's direct. Can you can you speak a little bit about uh, what programs you would like to implement and just what you would like to see when it comes to the foster care uh, community and uh, when it comes to taking care of the most vulnerable people among us? Yeah, well, here, you know, I think it does connect somewhat to uh, mental health, having a universal health care system that would include mental health services uh, available to people in a more regular way. Because, look, even in the in the best of circumstances, I do think that there's a certain level of uh, trauma involved in being given up, you know, for adoption or being in the foster care system. And we have to be real about that and provide people with supports to be able to process all of that and so that they that they can become stable adults. Right. Um, but I also think that there's some things that we can do to support people even after, you know, aging out. Unfortunately, if people do have to go through the entire system and age out of it um, to, to access employment that's actually paying, you know, living wages to um, have housing that provides stability. But I, I also think that we need to be real about those situations that lead people to have to do something as difficult as giving up a child or not being able to raise a child and right. recognize that we have lost a lot of 
um, that stability at the community level. And they're saying a lot of the platform is getting at trying to create stable individuals that are then able to take care of the children that they're having. And, and that will make all of us better off. But I do think, you know, having access to regular mental health services is so important. And mm-hmm. the reason why we see a lot of issues around violence does connect to people not being able to get the care and address the trauma that they may have lived through. Right. I think one of the other interesting things about Morgan's campaign and going against the establishment is, um, I mean, Morgan has such a great background. You know, one of the things I've heard, obviously, about Morgan's campaign is she's the AOC of Columbus. But Morgan, I mean, you you rose, I mean, not just from foster care, but you went to a, a prestigious uh, academy there in Columbus, Columbus Academy. She got in on a merit-based scholarship. You went on right. to Princeton. You went on to Stanford. You have a law degree. You've worked in Washington, D.C. You know, your your whole life has basically prepared you uh, for this, mm-hmm. this moment. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, obviously, I want you to win on Tuesday. Um, but are there other ways in the in the unlikely event you don't win the primary? Are there yeah. other ways you plan on to continue giving back to the Columbus community? Oh, definitely. I mean, yes, I also want to win on Tuesday. And yes, I mean, I don't even day. I don't like the question, um, Travis. MorganHarper.org. Morgan Harper's going to win. Yeah. She's going to win. The bag. It's a guarantee. What kind of question is that? What kind of question is that? I apologize. Travis Irvine is not a professional interviewer. That's a ridiculous. <laughs> that's a horrible question. No, I appreciate the question. I appreciate the question because a lot of people ask me that out on the trail, right? They're like, the more you lose, you don't win. And I don't think people are wanting to be pessimistic about our chances. It's really coming from a place of, I think, respect for for the movement we built, right? And wanting to yes. make sure that we won't lose that, that momentum. And I want to assure people that we won't. We have built a movement. We have engaged a lot of people that have frankly been intimidated by the political process because it is kind of run as an inner circle and you're either in or out right and we want to keep everyone engaged and so you know what that looks like in a highly detailed way after march 17th i don't know exactly if i'm not the third district representative but we will keep the movement building and i want to support other people who want to run grassroots campaigns at every level of government and i've learned a lot from this process but also it's going to be a redraw in two years, and so it'll be a new order to some extent with new districts that are being drawn in central Ohio with the population growth that we've seen. That'll be interesting. Um, but I, because I do continue to be committed to the fact that a lot of these issues need to be addressed at the federal level or else we can't actually solve them. Absolutely. And again, morganharper.org, Tuesday, we need independent voices to go and get into Washington, uh, D.C. You mentioned sort of yeah. kind of uh, mildly kind of talking about gerrymandering and redistricting. Can you speak a little bit to how that has impacted um, how people vote, sort of why people maybe feel as if their vote doesn't matter because they're in a uh, district that is red or blue? Um, can you sort of, sort of speak a little bit to that? And and what you would do if you were in Congress to eliminate this ridiculous uh, situation we have right now when it comes to gerrymandering and redistricting? Yeah, well, so the third district was gerrymandering. I mean, the gerrymandering happened throughout the state, and so we have three congressional districts for Central Ohio. Two are very, very safely Republican. One is very safely Democratic. The third district, and and these districts have been found now last spring to be partisan gerrymandered by federal court here, mm-hmm. um, and so the the redraw is mandated to be done in a less partisan fashion, making them 
in theory, all uh, more competitive, right? So that mm-hmm. it would be more likely for either a Democrat or Republican uh, to win. And, uh, and, you know, and I think that is pretty important because what happens in our current system is you don't really have to work for it, one, right? I mean, as a Democrat, the primary, our primary on March 17th is the race because it's virtually impossible for a Republican to win. And that's not right. You know, I've met right. Republicans throughout the race who feel disenfranchised by that, that, you know, for example, a lot of Republicans, especially on the west side of Columbus, that are like, we haven't heard from the Democratic Party in ages, you know? Um, I hear that from Democrats, too, because right. I think the complacency, then, you're not motivated to really talk to anyone because, you know, you've got this. And that's not good. That's not healthy for democracy. And it doesn't make people want to engage in a process when there's no competition. So right. I really am a fan of more fairly drawn districts. I hope that our state legislature will draw them in a more fair way. And we need to try to eliminate gerrymandering um, however we can, because it doesn't serve democracy. And I, yeah. I'd be supportive of those efforts at the federal level. But, you know, that's what's been cool about our race, though, is because we're in a grassroots campaign, I really will talk to anyone, and I mean it. I'm not I'm not out here to try to vilify Republicans. I will call out people who are naming right. our president who I don't think is really fit to lead. You're not like Joe Biden threatening to uh, kick the ass of union workers? Because that's a great look for a 78-year-old man. Right. No, I'm, yeah, I'm, I really am open-minded. And I think that's one of the best things about growing up here, honestly, is you – you interact with a lot of different types of people, and I found myself in a lot of different environments early on. And if you can't, if you can't interact with lots of different types of people, you're not going to get very far here. And I don't want to get yeah. very far. I want to bring the whole community together. Yeah. Uh, I don't get very far without having a responsibility to connect with everyone. Independence. Yeah. There are a lot of independents living here, absolutely, and also deserve to have a voice. So. Um, I'm hoping for more safely drawn di- districts in a couple of years, and I do think it'll make democracy stronger. I think the, democ- the Democratic Party needs to recognize the the people who have slipped away in this current environment and yep. push for those more fairly drawn districts as well. I could not agree with you more. MorganHarper.org. Check her out. Don't forget to vote on Tuesday. Just one final question for me, because I find this to be such an important issue that doesn't get enough press. Your home is where the heart is. I've heard that. Oh, yeah. And when it comes to rent, when it comes to the amount of uh, cost in housing, it is astronomical. Specifically, obviously, we're coming here from Brooklyn. It's insane. If you don't, you either have to be a multimillionaire or you have multiple roommates uh, to live in a Brooklyn apartment. Can you speak a little bit to housing, to affordable housing? What programs would you put in place in order to ensure affordable housing? Because my God, man, if you can't be comfortable, uh, if you don't have a home to go to at the end of the day, that's just the beginning. How are you supposed to go and do all the things in your life that you have to do in order to be a functioning member of society? Can you talk a little bit about housing and uh, and what you would like to see happen with that? Yeah, definitely. And you know, like I, I think I mentioned before, I was working at a housing organization before launching the campaign, and that's where I got a front row seat to these issues and knowing that you know nothing we're seeing in Columbus, where there has been a, a very strong housing market and prices are increasing, is unique because all over the country and almost every major metropolitan area, the other side of that is more and more people with, due to stagnant wages aren't able to access housing that they can afford. And affordable usually is, is seen within the industry as being, you know, no more than 30% of your income going towards housing. So mm. um, that's a major issue. It's not getting solved for at the local level. It, it's impossible to do it. It's systemic. It's happening everywhere. Yep. And we need the federal government to, to step up. And so two, two policies that I propose um, to start with are national rent stabilization. So not saying mm. you can't profit at all from the ownership and property management of 
housing, but there needs to be some bounds on just how much and how quickly we're going to let someone profit off of something as core as a home. And, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, this one in particular, I was kind of getting like, oh, who does this chick think she is? This isn't, you know, New York. You can't talk about national stabilization and, you know, close Ohio. And it's like, can't we? Right? Why? Right. Uh, people in Columbus don't want a home. And in fact, we have seen a flip in terms of, you know, the percentage of people who are renting versus home owning in our community. And that leaves a lot of people vulnerable when there's yeah. no bounds on on just how much the prices can increase. So national rent stabilization, I think, could help with that. Absolutely. And of course, you know, we're just talking about individuals in their homes, but it also affects businesses. There was a business here, Matchless. It was a bar. I used to have a comedy show I used to do with Michael Che and Kevin Barnett. And it was a great little place uh, that they closed up because they raised their rent $7,000 a month. So it also it's not just individuals. It's also businesses that are dealing with this. So it's not as if it's, um, you know, this affects this is an uh, economic issue. Yeah, you're tr- it's true. A lot of the gentrification discuss- discussion focuses on um, home, uh, individual housing gentrification, but economic and small business gentrification and loss yep. of that due to increased prices is, a, is another really important part of it. And so um, I focus on the national rent stabilization for housing, but you're right. I mean, being able to protect a place for businesses and business owners, that is the fabric of our community. Yep. And that's something we've seen big time in the third district that's been lost is just the number of small businesses. We have been over-corporatized, and now yeah. uh, we're seeing kind of the, the impacts of that. And, yeah. and I would like to do something to address that as well. But um, just on the housing piece, yeah, really quickly, the other yeah. thing is that we need to recognize that people need more housing. There isn't enough supply of housing at the rates of wages as the jobs are being created. And mm. so federal government used to build a lot more housing, and it wasn't just projects. It was considered for the middle class, people that were you know working people. And I think we need to do more of that, the section, you know, putting people in a voucher situation where they have to find a landlord who's willing to accept them, not really working very well. So right. um, that's another piece of the platform. But there, honestly, there are a lot of a lot of creative ideas out there, and in in your not to continue on the same theme, but a lot of these ideas though require political leaders that are willing to have that discussion of ideas and actually right. develop legislation and use government to get something done not just take up seats and make money and and enrich corporations. And that's certainly one of the driving forces of our campaign. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. You are a real inspiration. And again, if you're thinking about running for office out there, uh, please use Morgan as an inspiration. Get out there, get involved, win, lose, or draw. It's just important to get these messages out there and send a, uh, a strong message to the establishment that there's new voices in town and they better start listening. This Tuesday... Go to the polls, uh, morganharper.org. You can learn more about her platform there, learn more about her life there. And just thank you so much for being involved. Thank you so much for what you stand for. I'm telling you, that 1033 program is one of the worst things that's ever happened in this country. And we need more mental health. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel like, um, you know, just just keep on fighting the good fight. And I, I know you're going to be immensely successful. So thank you so much uh, for being on the show, Morgan. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, great to talk to y'all. Everybody vote. March 17th. I'm March 17th. I'm voting. I'm voting for Morgan on Tuesday. You better, Travis. Yay. I'll be there. All right. Well, you have one vote coming from Travis. Okay. <laughs> Only 50,000 more to go. Hey, right, here we go. You'll get them. Thank you, Morgan. I really appreciate <laughs> All right. you. All right. Thanks, y'all. All right. There it was, our interview with Morgan Harper. I'm telling you, man, not enough people talk about the 1033 program, and listeners of this show know I will rant and rave about it. Oh, so Lord. I, I love what she stands for and uh it is 
you know, we talk about we talk about people coming and creating change, uh, oftentimes in a dual party situation. Yes, but there is the Democratic Party. There is a uproar. There is a grassroots movement in the, in the within the Democratic Party, and we see it on the macro level with Bernie Sanders, and now we're seeing it more on the local level with people like Morgan Harper, and that's what we need, right? I mean, if, if we don't have any choices, what the hell's the point? What's the point of having two parties if we got to choose between Joe Biden and Donald Trump? To you know, basically, uh, two two people with dementia of the same coin. <laughs> no, it's it's. More- you know what I'm saying, Travis? It's, yeah, isn't this like isn't this a new generation that is has been kind of kicked off by AOC? It's a little it's, bit. Yeah. It's good to see. I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't I even know call, if she likes that. A, 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 you know, but I don't know. But yeah, no. I mean, I think that's a good way to translate your and and she does support the same things. Uh, Green New Deal, right? Um, Although I haven't Medicare heard AOC all. mention policing very much, but uh, perhaps she does. But perhaps. I was just yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, that's interesting that we you can. It's good that AOC is a template, though, yeah. um, because it does give people a very real basis to 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 run on. Yeah. And yeah. like, I mean, even with your, you know, hail yourself, America. It's yeah. like this is kind of a a little bit of an instructional, or like, yes. hey, you can do this too, and to to varying degrees of success. Yeah, but like, it, it's the the threshold. You just have to cross over it, and you just there is have no to do it. there is no real barrier to entry. Uh, except your own imagination and yeah. enthusiasm for a cause. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. And, and, and Morgan is part of that new wave. Uh, yeah. New voices, like you said, Ben. Just young great. people getting involved, running. You see it in the exit polls. Who's supporting Joe Biden? It's older people. Younger people supporting Bernie Sanders. Uh, you know, millennials are taking over. We're going to be the majority of the population, so one we got to get involved. One day, I just hope, one day I have a dream of voting for a president under 60. I just want a president who is under sixty years old. Maybe we can do it. Maybe I'm just. Well, you got it. Oh you, man, you when got, is AOC thirty-five? Two thousand twenty-four. Well, I'm not. Uh, yes, who knows? Um, but anyway, all right, everyone. That's Morgan Harper. Go to morganharper.org. Check out her platform and please vote on Tuesday. Don't let. Don't just don't be scared. Wear a mask if you want to. I don't know. Wear a full hazmat suit if you want to. But just don't let anything stop you from voting because. Uh, if you don't vote, you don't get to complain. And if I don't get to complain, then we don't have a show. That's your whole thing. That's the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for serenading me with that wonderful song earlier, Mr. Morningstar. Do you want me to close it, it out? Yeah. All right. All right. This, is, this is a new hit from Travis Morningstar. Oh, Here we go. I got to find the lyrics. He's got to find the lyrics. He doesn't quite have them memorized yet. I have it. He's like All Bob right. Dylan at a concert now. All right. 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 School's closed, Tom Hanks, trouble with the big banks, no vaccine, quarantine, no more toilet paper scene, Whoa. travel ban, Weinstein, panic, COVID-19, <laughs> NBA gone away, what else do I have to say? Bend in and start the fire. <laughs> this is the dumbest and thing that's ever happened. neither did Travis, we or were the- just podcasting, Puffin didn't start the fire. But I did see him eat a bat, so... (laughs) (laughs) All right, everyone, hail yourselves! We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.